All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here, hosted by Carter Thompson. As always, thanks for tuning in to the 50th episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Very exciting stuff. I mean, I had a lot planned out for this next episode where we're going to talk about the NHL champs. I mean, we've got college football teams moving to different conferences somehow. USC and UCLA are going to play in the Big Ten Conference. Good luck with that. We were going to talk about all of that. We had some NFL stuff lined up. But for this 50th episode and everything that's been going on in the NBA just this past like half week only, I figured I'm just going to focus solely on the NBA for this episode. We'll, we'll be able to dive into it a little bit more instead of having a super long episode where I try to get everything in like the college football teams switching conferences, what's going to happen with a couple of these conferences, with the NHL champs. We'll do all that early next week for this episode. I've got that one already. For this episode, we're going to solely focus on the NBA and the free agency because it's going absolutely crazy. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm sure I say it every year when we start talking about NBA free agency. There is nothing better, in my opinion, to start an offseason in any of these sports, baseball, football, hockey, any of them. NBA free agency tops them all by far. NFL free agency is fun, but you do not get the kind of trades that we are going to discuss right now. Even the big-time money that we see just flowing every offseason in the NBA, and it's all guaranteed contracts as well. You see big money in baseball too, but it is just coming left and right for everybody in the NBA. So we'll talk about a lot of these deals in this episode. We'll start with the biggest trade that went down in this NBA offseason so far. Rudy Gobert, all-star center for the Utah Jazz, three-time defensive player of the year, a perennial all-defensive NBA player year in and year out, cornerstone for the Utah Jazz. He has been traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for role players, young players, and almost four unprotected first-round picks. This is an insane amount of draft capital that is going back to the Utah Jazz. They gave up the Utah Jazz, or I'm sorry, the Minnesota Timberwolves gave up their first-round pick this year, which was Walker Kessler, who they took with the 22nd overall pick, I believe. They gave up him this year. Then they're giving up three more unprotected first-round picks, which means that wherever these picks land, I believe it's like 2023, 2025, 2027, wherever the Minnesota Timberwolves finish, even if it's the number one overall pick, that pick goes to the Utah Jazz. And then in 2029, I believe they also gave him that first round pick. As long as it's not a top five pick that the Utah Jazz finish, that pick also goes to the, I'm sorry, that the Minnesota Timberwolves don't finish top five. That pick also will go to the Utah Jazz. It's a little confusing in terms of all the draft capital that's being flown around, but four first-round picks. I don't think we've seen anything quite like that. That's an insane amount of draft capital and future for the Minnesota Timberwolves to give up for Rudy Gobert to pair with Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, the likes of that. Let's start with this. Utah now splits up their two all-stars in Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, The question becomes, was this necessary for the Jazz to do in order to keep their all-star guard in Donovan Mitchell? There's been talks and rumors and reports that Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert do not get along well in Utah. Utah, like I said, they fired their, or their head coach resigned 
this past offseason in Quinn Snyder, one of the better head coaches in the NBA as well. He resigned this past offseason. The question was, was Utah kind of just stuck in neutral? One of those teams that could maybe win a first-round playoff series but couldn't get to get, couldn't get to the conference finals, obviously wasn't going to be bad enough to get a high draft pick, a lottery draft pick that could change the franchise or give them a third star. Not a lot of players necessarily want to come to Utah in terms of a free agency destination. So Utah was kind of stuck in no man's land here of we've got two all-stars, we've got a defensive player of the year, we've got an all-NBA third-team player in Donovan Mitchell some years. He's a, he's an all-star most years as well. How do we kind of get stuck out of this? And when you have these two superstars or these two all-stars that are not getting along well, maybe it's just time to blow the whole thing up. And it kind of looks like what the Utah Jazz did. I think they absolutely came out on not on top of this trade, but they came out very well on this trade. They also made another trade with the Brooklyn Nets that netted them another first-round pick. So they have five first-round picks and like a 21-year-old seven-footer in Walker Kessler that was just drafted this past year. Their future is going to be very fine. They just hired a brand-new head coach. He's 34 years old, gets a five-year deal, so he's going to have a lot of time to develop this team. I like what Utah did here. You keep Donovan Mitchell. You see if you can try and convince him. Maybe you use some of these picks to get another all-star back in there with Donovan Mitchell, something of an upgrade from Rudy Gobert, but Utah is doing the right thing here. When you're stuck in no man's land, sometimes it's time to blow it up, and they got plenty back for Rudy Gobert in four unprotected, basically, first-round picks and a first-round pick player from this year's draft. So I think Utah did just fine with this trade of trading away their defensive former defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. I like Utah doing this here to split up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. We saw they got handled by the Dallas Mavericks without Luka Doncic in the playoffs this year. Luka Doncic missed three games, and I think if Luka Doncic even missed four or five, that the Utah Jazz would have struggled to win that series. I think Dallas still could have won that series possibly. So if you're struggling in a series like that, can't get out of the first round, can't even get out of the second round sometimes, haven't been to a conference finals with this kind of core then it's time to move on and blow it up in some ways, and that looks like what the Utah Jazz are doing. I mean, they get a couple of nice pieces back, like Malik Beasley, who's a young 25-year-old guard that that can play for sure. He'll be a starter. You got Patrick Beverly, who's a defensive hound. He can come off the bench. But what you really wanted was you wanted those draft picks now that you can do, and you got the ones in the future. So if Minnesota starts to get bad by 2020, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen by 2025, 2026, 2027. I mean, Minnesota could be drafting in the top 10. Those are your picks now that Utah has. So they did very well, I think, in this trade. Let's take a look at the Minnesota side of this. I mean, where should this put them in terms of contenders in the Western Conference? They just made the playoffs, lost to the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. Now they're adding, like I said, a three-time defensive player of the year. I mean, look at this starting five that they have going forward. They're going to have the Twin Towers at center and power forward. They're starting two centers on this team, and Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. Then you got your guards of Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and young Jaden McDaniels. That's a pretty good starting five for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, they'd lose a lot of depth in this trade. Like I said, they traded, what did I say, maybe like three or four players 
along with those draft picks for Rudy Gobert. They're going to lose some depth, but some t- we've seen some teams, especially when it comes to playoff time, you're only playing seven, maybe eight guys. I believe in the finals, the Warriors and Celtics, no more than seven with heavy minutes. Maybe you bring in an eighth guy if someone gets into foul trouble. So if you, you've got to have a good starting five, obviously. You'd only need two, maybe three ma- like good bench players if you're going to make it into the playoffs. You have the depth. For the regular season, once it comes playoff time, it's all about your big-time players that are playing big-time minutes. So with Gobert and Cat, I think I kind of like this combination of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best shooting big men we've seen in the NBA in a long time. This guy is seven foot, seven foot one, and he can knock down the three. Don't forget, this is a former three-point shooting champion. Carl Anthony Towns won the All-Star three-point shooting contest. Carl Anthony Towns can shoot the three. Now, the problem is, is he going to shoot too many threes? Maybe then we see he's not as great as we thought. Maybe he's better in the limited amount of threes that he can take. But with Rudy Gobert on this team now, you're going to see Carl Anthony Towns as more of a stretch four. And the other thing, too, is Minnesota can play big at all times. They can start with both Gobert and Cat. They can take one out to rest. Then when they play the other one for the rest of the first quarter, They can flip-flop them. They can put them both in at the same time. This team is going to be one of the biggest teams in the NBA. They can always play big. And the thing with Carl Anthony Towns playing big, too, he can stretch out to the four. He can hit those threes as well, which I like a lot. Gobert also really improves this defense, obviously, as a former three-time defensive player of the year. That was something that Minnesota was definitely missing. Carl Anthony Towns isn't necessarily an inside presence in terms of blocking shots, misdirecting shots, having guys struggle when they get near the rim. Rudy Gobert is going to raise this defense to another level, for sure, for Minnesota. I think this puts them, this has got to put them in the top half of the Western Conference. Don't put them, I'm not going to put them near the favorites. Rudy Gobert, I don't think is going to change their offense necessarily, which they're not going to need it. It's going to be Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns as your one and two options on offense. I mean, hell, even D'Angelo Russell might be ahead of Rudy Gobert on the offensive hierarchy in terms of who gets their points first in that case. But the defense is really what's going to raise Minnesota here and vault them, I think, into that top half of the Western Conference. I could put them on par, I think, with the with the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves now really match up really evenly. You could You could be splitting hairs. These two faced off in the first round of the playoffs this past year, and I think Memphis won in six games. I could see it going Minnesota in seven if they were to face off again now with Rudy Gobert. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Memphis has a really nice defensive team as well. But I like what Minnesota did here. This is something that sometimes you just got to go for it. You've got two all-stars in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. You add a third in Rudy Gobert something that you don't have, which is a defensive presence as well. And I don't think it's going to disrupt, disrupt excuse me, the offense too much for these guys because Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, two very different offensive players. Rudy Gobert's a catch and lob kind of inside presence, not one of those guys that's going to get his own shot, not going to go back to the basket, post someone up. He'll get some offensive rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns is the offensive machine when it comes to the center position of these two. He can hit the three. He can post you up. He can back you down. He can also take it off the dribble from the top of the key if he needs to. 
I like that these two can complement each other well. I like this move for Minnesota, where if you're going to go for it with these two young guys, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, he just re-signed for the new four-year $224 million Supermax as well. So now they have Carl Anthony Towns, I think, re-signed for six years because it's a contract extension off of his last one. Anthony Edwards is most likely to sign his Supermax next season, so you'll have Anthony Edwards for another five years as well. Rudy Gobert, I think, just signed last offseason with the Utah Jazz so for that four-year Supermax. So I think he's at least with Minnesota for the next three or four years. So you've got these guys for a couple of years. You're going all for it. You're going, you're, you're going all in, which you need to do sometimes when you have these guys. So I like the move here for Minnesota, and I absolutely think Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert can play alongside each other in Minnesota because now teams are going to struggle to match up size-wise with Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Do you put a big guy on Rudy Gobert when he's down in the post? Who's going to match up on Carl Anthony Towns then? If that's the case, Carl Anthony Towns can just back you down. If you put someone smaller on him, if you put someone big on him, he can stretch out to the five, Rudy Gobert, or I mean he can stretch out and hit threes as the five beyond the three-point line. Rudy Gobert then can get all these offensive rebounds. It's going to be a nightmare at first for teams to try and figure out how to match up with all this size that Minnesota has. I like the move for both sides. We'll see who it plays out for best in the end. I'm not sure if Utah is done. They're going to try to hang on to Donovan Mitchell, but we'll see if he actually wants to stay there with all of this going down. Maybe he wants out of Utah as well. But for now, I like this move for both sides. I think it'll work out uh, well for Minnesota early, and then we'll see what Utah can do with all this new draft capital that they accumulated. All right. Moving on now, that was the biggest trade that happened. Here's the biggest news that dropped in the past two to three days. And this is, I mean, it, it can it's kind of unsurprising if you think about it in terms of you could almost see this one coming. Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets requested a trade from the team two days ago, wants out after all the drama and the disappointing finish to last season. Kyrie Irving also wants out trying to force himself to the Lakers, it sounds like right now. So before we get to all the what-if scenarios, and we'll talk about how this could all happen, first off, this is such an embarrassment, in my opinion, for all parties involved on how this entire project and what they tried to do went down. I mean, everybody involved here, Brooklyn Nets organization, front office owner, embarrassing, Kyrie Irving for sure, Kevin Durant, Steve Nash, everybody involved. I mean, they were basically given the reins, the players here too, and have absolutely nothing to show for it. I mean, in two, in three years, I'm pretty sure that these guys have been together. Kyrie and Kevin Durant only played about 40 games together. Durant played maybe a little over 90-ish games total in those three years since he left Golden State. I mean, this is unbelievable. This will go down as one of the most embarrassing attempts in NBA history I mean, every year, I mean, when they first got together, they were title favorites. Then the second year, they got James Harden and they, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. This was supposed to be an unstoppable team. They played maybe, what, 10, 15 games together and, and nothing got off the ground there. So then Brooklyn gave, all, gave up all that draft capital to the Houston Rockets and ended up trading James Harden away after half of a season, I believe. 
just incredible. It's just the, the failed attempt that this team tried. It's pretty embarrassing when, when you look at what happened here. This will go down as a bad footnote for Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Brooklyn Nets history for sure. I think we needed to make that point very clear that this will not be let off the hook for these these organizations and these players for sure when talking about them. I mean, we've got all-time great players here, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, but this is uh, something that cannot be, go unnoticed for sure. All that said, all of that embarrassment, disappointment, it's going to come to an end this offseason. We're not sure when yet. I got a weird feeling it's going to come out like like Sunday night. Everybody's about ready to take their day off. Their long weekend is still in the middle of it. Just when everybody's not paying attention, then we'll get this big trade for Kevin Durant. Let's take a look at the possible teams that could go for Kevin Durant, that will go for Kyrie Irving, but what also needs to be given up to get a guy like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. So Kevin Durant, we'll start here. Kevin Durant still has four guaranteed years on his contract. He just signed a new contract with Brooklyn. So you get him for four guaranteed years. No player option at the end, so he's there for four years no matter what. Looking at what Rudy Gobert just went for. Remember, we just talked about this. He went for, I think, three or four role players, a really nice young player in Malik Beasley, and also four under unprotected, excuse me, unprotected first-round picks. Also a first-round pick in this past one. So we can consider that basically five first-round picks that just went for Rudy Gobert. You're getting Kevin Durant. This is a top 20 player of all time and still playing like a current top five player in the NBA. It's going to take at least three young good players, like a former all-star possibly in the mix of that, plus at least five first-round picks. That is going to be the biggest trade in NBA history by far, wherever Kevin Durant goes, unless you're trading another superstar, which we'll get to in a second because there's a scenario out there that has been floated that I will discuss as well. But that is how much you're going to have to give up for Kevin Durant. Probably an all-star level player with at least two or three more role players and then at least five first-round picks. And then there's also this pick swap that you can do as well. That's what it's going to take to get a guy like Kevin Durant and Absolutely, teams should be lining up to do this. Kevin Durant is one of the very few guys that I believe can lead a team to an NBA championship as the head of the bus or driver of the bus is what the term has been called recently. A lot of people have been bashing Kevin Durant as he hasn't driven the bus for a championship team. That's a discussion that we won't get into right now. But anyways, Kevin Durant, I think, is one of those guys that can lead the team Let's list. Let's talk about some of these teams. So Durant listed two teams that he is preferred that he has as preferred destinations: Phoenix Suns, Miami Heat. I think the Phoenix Suns one makes a lot of sense for both Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns can give up some really good players, and then they have a ton of their own first-round picks that they can give up as well. They can do a sign-in trade with DeAndre Ayton give up Mikael Bridges. That's a first-team All-Defensive player right there, and then Cameron Johnson a really nice young player as well. That's three young players, DeAndre Ayton, a former number one overall pick, potential all-star as well. Mikael Bridges, another potential all-star. He is a fantastic player, averages around 15 points a game and also brings also one of the best defenders in the NBA right there, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson as well. Those three, maybe another guy as well, make the money work and then they have their own first-round picks to give 
Brooklyn as well to get Kevin Durant. And honestly, Phoenix is in, I mean, we've seen Phoenix. They made the finals last year, lost to the Milwaukee Bucks because Giannis is one of the greatest, is probably the best player in the NBA right now. He's going to go down as a top 15 player in NBA history, most likely. Then they lost to Luka Doncic this past offseason with less of a team than the Milwaukee Bucks had in the finals a year ago. And Luka Doncic absolutely demolished them in their final game. So Phoenix is is trending backwards, especially if they plan on losing DeAndre Ayton this offseason anyways. They're trending in the wrong direction. You bring in a guy like Kevin Durant, Chris Paul might actually get his NBA championship ring. You've got Kevin Durant leading the way. He can be a playmaker as well. Then you've got Devin Booker, your sharpshooting scorer on the other side, and then Chris Paul kind of just orchestrating and, and filling in the gaps where it need be. And that's what Chris Paul does better than anyone. He's usually leading the charge. But now with Kevin Durant, he can pick up the loose ends where it needs to be because he is incredibly smart and he'll be able to see where their weaknesses are and such like that. So that big three of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, that makes a lot of sense. Durant goes to an immediate contender, maybe one of the top two teams in the Western Conference, right on par there with the Golden State Warriors. That makes a lot of sense for Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns need to shake something up because the duo of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, isn't going to get it done, especially since it sounds like they don't believe in DeAndre Ayton as their center. So this one makes a lot of sense to me for Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. We'll see how that works out. Phoenix, or, uh, excuse me, Brooklyn has said if there's going to be any deal with the Phoenix Suns that they're going to want Devin Booker. Well, they're going to have to settle for DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and Cam Johnson because there's no way that the Phoenix Suns are giving going to give up Devin Booker. I mean, he just re-signed a four-year Supermax as well for like like $235 million or something like that. So I don't think Devin Booker is going anywhere. This happens all the time. I, I can't think of the – I think when it was Shaquille O'Neal being traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Orlando Magic wanted a certain – I'm sorry. It was when Shaquille O'Neal was being traded from the Lakers to the Heat. I believe the Lakers wanted Dwayne Wade, and they're like, no, you're not getting Dwayne Wade. Of course not. Then you come back a couple of days later, and they're like, okay, we'll take a deal surrounded around, and I believe it was Lamar Odom in this case. So a team, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets should absolutely start at Devin Booker, but then they'll come down to a guy like DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges. But that's, what, that's, that's a potential deal that makes a lot of sense for me, both sides. Brooklyn gets three good players and then a ton of draft capital right after that. So they could, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Ben Simmons, let's say he plays next year as well. That's not a bad starting five that you got going for you right there. I believe Patty Mills re-signed as well. So you're still competitive in terms of making the play-in tournament in the NBA playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. And then you're also set up for the future as well. So I like that deal for both teams. The other team for Durant was the Miami Heat. This one's a little tricky because Ben Simmons is on the team and a player that would probably be involved in that deal is Bam Adebayo. And both of these guys are on rookie max extensions. And a rule in the NBA that was hap- that happened in the collective bargaining agreement is a team can't have two players on rookie max extension deals where it's like four years, five years, over $200 million deals that you traded for. So the Brooklyn Nets, they traded for Ben Simmons when he was on that rookie max extension deal. They can't trade for Bam Adebayo with Ben Simmons on the team because he's on a similar kind of deal. 
if they drafted both of these players or if they had drafted one of these players and then traded for another one on that same deal, that's fine. You can't trade for two players on this kind of deal that for some reason is a rule in the NBA. So the Miami one is a little tricky. If Brooklyn would want to do a deal with Miami, they'd have to get a third team involved to trade away Ben Simmons. But that's another one on Kevin Durant's list. The Miami Heat would probably have to give up sorts of Bam Adebayo, uh, Duncan Robinson, possibly even Tyler Hero. That's a lot to give up for Kevin Durant. And then all those first-round picks, then you have a core of Kyle Lowry, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, no longer having Tyler Hero on the team as well. Those are the two teams that Kevin Durant listed. The thing is, he doesn't have the control in where he goes because he has four guaranteed years left on his deal. So wherever he goes, he's going to be playing on that team for four years. Not three, not possibly two. It's going to be the full four with the way that his current contract is. Here are some other teams that are possibilities that I think could work and be really interesting as well. The New Orleans Pelicans has has been one that's been floated a lot. They have a ton of draft capital because of the Lakers deal that they did to get Anthony Davis and with the Milwaukee Bucks picks that they have when they traded away Drew Holiday. So the Pelicans, they can also offer an all-star in Brandon Ingram. They can ask, they can throw in a couple young players like Jackson Hayes, their center as well. And then they have all those first-round picks from the Bucks, the Lakers, and their own picks to trade for Kevin Durant. Then you've got a core of Kevin Durant, C.J. McCollum, and Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, it looks like he's healthy right now. He thought he was healthy at the end of last season as well, so that would be a really fun combo of C.J. McCollum, Durant, and Zion Williamson. So that's a team that could work out. I think any of these teams that you add Kevin Durant to probably vaults them into championship contenders. These next two teams, though, do not. The Portland Trailblazers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The reason I mentioned the Portland Trailblazers is because Damian Lillard recently posted on his social media a picture of him and Durant standing side by side in Trailblazers uh, <laughs> uniforms. So that would be really awesome to see of Durant and Damian Lillard. You'd have to give up a lot, though. Portland, they just signed uh, one of their own guys, Anthony Simmons, to a four-year $100 million deal. He goes to Brooklyn. They got to send a couple of other guys as well, along with all these first-round picks. In this case, you probably get two top 12 players on your team, but absolutely no depth after that. And, I mean, Portland already was struggling with depth on this team before Kevin Durant got there. Now you're trading whatever you have left of it for Kevin Durant. I don't think that vaults. I don't think Portland of Damian and Kevin Durant is a top four team. I think it's a playoff team for sure, and then you see in the playoffs. But that would be a fun duo of Durant and Damian Lillard. That's a possibility. OKC is definitely not a is definitely not a top contender with Kevin Durant. They probably have to give up Shea Gilgis Alexander, and then they, I mean Port. I mean OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder have endless amounts of first-round picks. I believe they have 19 first-round picks in the next five drafts. So they can give up seven of those if they want and give up less of their players. They just drafted Chet Holmgren with the second overall pick. I don't think he would be going anywhere. They have Josh Giddy, a top-five pick from last year as well. But this would be a really – this would be the only team that Kevin Durant could be traded to where he doesn't get hated on for it. I mean, when Kevin Durant got traded to the Warriors – he became enemy number one for joining a team that had won a championship without him. 
when he went to Brooklyn, it's like, what are you doing here? And then they brought in James Harden. Kevin Durant has been probably number one hated player in the NBA for the past, oh boy, probably at least six, seven years. I mean, LeBron was number one hated player when he went to Miami. Then he came back to Cleveland, and that kind of helps it, you know? So, I mean, if, if Kevin Durant goes back to OKC, maybe that helps his likeness as well. I don't know if he cares about that. I don't think these guys really do, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't care what the outside necessarily thinks. But if they do, OKC would be the place. I mean, think of Kevin Durant on a team with Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren. They're immediately into the playoffs, and now if you can get the— I mean, Kevin Durant's there for four years— Kevin Durant could help grow these guys into a championship contending team. I don't think he lifts them to an immediate championship contender. That depends if they, who they can keep on that team, depending on what they'd have to give up. But OKC would be a really fun one. Dallas Mavericks, this would be a top two team in the Western Conference as well. You've got Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, and then Christian Wood, who they just traded for as well. That would be a really fun uh duo slash trio in the Western Conference. I don't know if Dallas has the like role players and young players that Brooklyn would be looking for in a trade. I mean, I'm sure Dallas could send X amount of picks would be fine, but you need to make the money work. And I don't know if they have the players that Brooklyn is kind of looking for to supplement losing a guy like Kevin Durant. So we'll see about that one. And then the last one, Believe it or not, is the Los Angeles Lakers as a possible destination for Kevin Durant. And the reason I mentioned the Lakers last on that potential list is because it looks like Kyrie wants to get to L.A. with LeBron. And I believe we've heard Durant and Kyrie Irving have said they still want to play together, just not in Brooklyn anymore. So there's a potential trade that sends Durant and Kyrie to L.A. with a couple other players And the return that probably has to come back is on the likes of Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker, the Lakers 2027, and their 2029 first-round picks. That's crazy. Anthony Davis is a potential top-five player when he's healthy, but, I mean, you're getting Kevin Durant, who is a for-sure top-five player right now, and he is healthy. Anthony Davis has struggled with injuries in his time as Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James just don't fit. We know Kyrie and LeBron fit. So here's the full trade. It would be Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, probably Joe Harris, and Seth Curry. Those guys go to L.A. Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker, and then probably uh, maybe it's Kendrick Nunn or maybe it's Austin Reeves. And then the Lakers 2027-2029 first-round picks go to Brooklyn. That would be absolutely insane. This would be the biggest trade in NBA history, bar none, for sure. You get LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving in L.A. on the same team. This has been floated as a potential deal. That could work. This is why I mention it. But wow, that would be incredible. I don't know how the NBA world would react. I don't even know how I would react. I'm struggling trying to picture just Kevin Durant and LeBron James on the same team because these two have just been on opposite sides in terms of both like they they really haven't been in the same conference ever. Usually when they face off, it's in the finals, whether it was when LeBron was in Miami and Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City, or when LeBron was in Cleveland and Kevin Durant was in Golden State. 
Then it was LeBron in Los Angeles, and Kevin Durant went east to the Brooklyn Nets. They've just always been on opposite sides. You bring these two who have just kind of been, it's been LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, kind of those best three players of the early 2010s till basically Giannis kind of arrived and now has taken over the mantle as the best player in the NBA. It's been those three. Now all of a sudden Durant's played with one of them and Steph. Now he plays with the other one in LeBron. Oh my goodness. It's just a lot to try and like piece together. It would be absolutely mind boggling. I don't know how I'd react, but I just wanted to put it out there and let you know that it's been floated and it's still, it's not dead. It's a possibility because the Lakers are looking to move on from Russell Westbrook. It sounds like. They have their new coach in Darvin Ham. Man, I don't know if I would be excited or pissed or what or how I would think about it. I'm just going to leave those feelings for another time. But that is just something that has been floated out there. Now, without Durant, we already mentioned the places Durant could go. We talked Phoenix, Miami, New Orleans Pelicans, Portland Trailblazers, Oklahoma City Thunder, Dallas Mavericks, and then, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers potentially. Without Durant, Kyrie Irving is definitely still being traded from the Brooklyn Nets. They want out of him. He is trying to get his way to L.A. It probably looked like Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry for Russell Westbrook, the 2027 first-round pick, and probably Taylor Horton Tucker would be someone that the Brooklyn Nets would take for Kyrie Irving. I mean, this was just a problem. This whole experiment of Durant and Irving never worked. It probably started when Kyrie just didn't get the vaccine shot because then he was unavailable for the team to play. And then it was just rubbing. He just wasn't showing up to games. He wasn't coming to games to support his teammates. It was just a lot. Then, of course, you throw in the fact that they're not winning. James Harden's not happy when he's there. Then he gets traded. It's just all boiled up. So Kyrie Irving trying to get to L.A. This is a question, though. Should LeBron want to play with Kyrie after watching what happened last season and the chemistry that just fell apart in Brooklyn? Obviously, it's not all Kyrie Irving's fault. If Kevin Durant, if the report that Kevin Durant still wants to play with Kyrie Irving is true, then I think there should be no problem in terms of LeBron wanting to play with Kyrie. We've seen what those two can do together. They won an NBA championship together. They could still win an NBA championship together, I think, today. But you have to make sure Kyrie Irving's number one focus is winning a championship and playing basketball like LeBron's is at this point, like Kevin Durant's is at this point. It didn't seem like these past two seasons that Kyrie Irving's number one goal was basketball. Number one goal was winning a championship. When you play with guys like Durant and LeBron, that's their number one focus right now. I don't know if Kyrie's is, and that's okay if it's not, but then you're not going to be able to play with guys like LeBron and Durant and not have these consequences come up of you being traded, the media giving you all this hate. That's not going to work out. You can't have it both ways, you know? So we'll see. I mean, I think LeBron should try to get Kyrie Irving to come play with him. I think he has a better chance of winning with Kyrie Irving than he does with Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook, it's just, it's just not working. And it's not entirely Russell Westbrook's fault. I mean, he had to play. I mean, that lineup was changing all the time. When LeBron was healthy, 
Russell Westbrook takes a little bit of a backseat. When LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, Russell Westbrook has no idea what to do. He's not a three-point shooter. But then when LeBron and Anthony Davis are hurt, all of a sudden, hey, Russ, we're asking you to score 30-plus points a game. Can you do that for us? I mean, his role changed all the time. They were never able to figure out how to incorporate Russell with Anthony Davis and LeBron. But then when both of these guys are injured, they both had their injury problems last season. I think LeBron missed close to 30 games, maybe a little more than that. Anthony Davis missed over half the season. Now all of a sudden you're asking Russ to be the guy once again. And he's not the same guy that Russell Westbrook was when he played in Houston, when he played in Oklahoma City especially. I mean, Russell Westbrook has lost a step in terms of athleticism. And when a guy like that who relies on his athleticism loses a step, he's nowhere near going to be the same player. So it's not Russell Westbrook's fault entirely that it didn't work out, but I think it's time that the Lakers try to move on and LeBron should want Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, in L.A. over Russell Westbrook. Of course, I'm, I'm not sure if he wants both Kevin Durant and Kyrie, if he wants, if LeBron wants him, Kyrie, and A.D., or if he wants himself, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. That's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, but I'm very excited for these trades to come out like on a random at a random time this Sunday night, I think. I think they're just going to try and bury the lead. Or they might just save it till next week, Friday, you know, so then everybody has to wait the weekend to talk about it. That would be classic as well for, for this big-time news to come out. But I'm very excited to see where these two players end up. I mean, we t- I was talking about where do we put Minnesota in terms of uh, championship contenders. I, I don't know right now because there's a huge player in play that could go to any one of these teams. It's hard to rank where these uh, title contenders could be for next season when you've got a guy like Kevin Durant still on the market, not sure where he could end up. It's hard to uh, hard to evaluate that then when you've got such a big chess piece just out there. All right, let's move on to a couple of other big trades, and then we'll move on to the end of this episode here. Malcolm Brogdon traded from the Indiana Pacers to the Boston Celtics for three role players, three guys that did not play in the NBA Finals this year. I think maybe one guy did just a little bit. He was like that eighth man that would come in for uh, like foul relief. And then the Celtics also gave up their 2023 first-round pick. This is an absolutely incredible trade. Fantastic home run for the Boston Celtics. Are you kidding me with what they gave up? Like I just said, they had like seven or eight guys play in the finals this year, and they didn't give up a single one of those guys for Malcolm Brogdon, and they gave up their 2023 first-round pick, which if they would have kept, would have been in the like bottom like third of the first-round draft this year. This is an incredible get for the Boston Celtics. You get a true point guard who averages 15 to 18 points per game that can run the show now in Malcolm Brogdon. This guy I loved when he was in Milwaukee. Oh, my gosh. He just reminds me. He's like a little bit lesser version to me. Then Chris Middleton, he's almost, Malcolm Brogdon is almost an all-star, where Chris Middleton is an all-star. But this guy, you need someone calm on the court. He can go get a bucket. Very smart, sees the entire floor. That is Malcolm Brogdon, and that's what the Celtics get. This was in an absolute steal that the Boston Celtics just got for Malcolm Brogdon. Their roster right now, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Now you got Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. That's probably your starting five right there. You got Robert Williams, a first-time defensive, uh, a first-team all-defensive player guy coming off the bench. Grant Williams, who we saw can knock down the three. Derek White, there's your top eight. 
And now they also just signed Danilo Gallinari, who had a buyout in the San Antonio Spurs. That is an incredible top nine right now. This is a team that just came away from the finals. This has vaulted the Celtics to the top of the NBA favorites for next season, according to numerous betting sites and the odds right now. And I have no reason to disagree. They are not losing a top eight guy, and they bring in a fantastic point guard that can average 15 to 18 points per game, maybe six, seven assists per game as well. Marcus Smart doesn't have to be the true point guard. This is insane. I love this move for the Celtics. This team should come back better next season. I mean, they're, they remember this? We were talking about this as the playoffs approached. This team was one of the worst teams in the NBA come January. Without that slow start now, and they have this finals appearance, this might be the, the number one team in the East. This team actually could contend for the number one, the overall record, the best record in the NBA next year, and they could be easy title favorites. This is an incredible trade that the Boston Celtics pulled off to get Malcolm Brogdon. And as a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I'm pissed, but this is a, this is a great trade for the Boston Celtics for sure. They are going to be one of the top three teams in basketball next season, barring injuries, of course. I always, I don't think I should have to throw in that caveat, but I will in this case. So an incredible trade by the Boston Celtics right there. Another big trade. This one was the one that kind of like kicked it all off. DeJounte Murray, all-star guard for the San Antonio Spurs, had been traded from the Spurs to the Atlanta Hawks for Danilo Gallinari, who we just mentioned. He's now on the Boston Celtics. He had a buyout with the San Antonio Spurs. So the Hawks trade Danilo Gallinari and three first-round picks and two pick swaps to the San Antonio Spurs for DeJounte Murray. This is this is a big-time move for the Atlanta Hawks. This gets them back into that middle of the Eastern Conference pack. They missed the playoffs all last year, which is incredible after making the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. But now Trey Young has a true running mate on his team. The other big thing for the Atlanta Hawks, they didn't give up their young, really talented power forward in John Collins. So now they've got Trey Young, averaged 28 points per game last year, eight assists. You pair him with DeJounte Murray at the two guard spots, who averaged 22 points a game and eight assists. Only two guys to average, I think, over 22 points a game and like over eight and a half assists last season. So now you got those two guys on the floor together. DeJounte Murray, also a big-time upgrade in terms of defensive presence. He can kind of guard those all-star guards that Trey Young has been trying to slow down. Trey Young, not the best defender, not a really good defender at all, actually. So you pair him with DeJounte Murray. I like that a lot now for DeJounte Murray. You got Trey Young, you got Bogdan Bogdanovich, John Collins, and you still got Clint Capella. That's a pretty good starting five. I think this puts Atlanta right behind the Eastern Conference uh, like powerhouses of Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and Miami right now. Of course, a lot can change. It will change when Kevin Durant moves, but I like Atlanta back into that middle of the Eastern Conference now, contending maybe for a second-round appearance in the playoffs. So we'll see how that works out for them. All right, final thought then on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Some other big deals I'll mention here and those that are interesting to me. So here are all the big-time extensions on the Supermax deals that happened in just like the past two days. The amount of money flying around, because this is all guaranteed money, is insane. I mentioned Devin Booker. He signed a new extension for four years, $224 million Supermax. John Morant, Memphis Grizzlies, he extends for the four-year rookie Supermax, 
which is up to $226 million. Nikola Jokic, back-to-back reigning MVP, he signs a five-year extension for $264 million. That's the supermax for him. That's the richest contract in NBA history. We just watched that go down. Incredible stuff for the Denver Nuggets extending Nikola Jokic. Bradley Beal, he opted out with the Wizards only to re-sign and get even way more money. Signs a five-year, $251 million Supermax deal to stay with the Washington Wizards. Zach Levine re-signs with the Chicago Bulls on a five-year, $215 million deal. Darius Garland, a first-time All-Star, I believe, this past season for the Cleveland Cavaliers, signs a five-year rookie Supermax with Cleveland at $193 million, which actually is the largest contract in Cleveland history. When you consider LeBron was there for all those years, pretty big stuff there for Darius Garland. And a first-time All-Star guard, Jalen Brunson, former Dallas Maverick, he signs a four-year, $105 million deal with the New York Knicks. I don't know. The Knicks, I don't know if they think like this is the big fish out there on the market that they just got, but I mean, I do think Jalen Brunson won the Dallas Mavericks that are... Uh, that series against the Utah Jazz, but after that, he wasn't wasn't the same Jalen Brunson in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, this helps the New York Knicks at the point guard position, but I'm, it's not going to really move the needle. They missed the playoffs. Now there may be a play-in team with Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle. So we'll see. This this doesn't move the needle a ton for them, but I mean, it's it's a small improvement at the point guard spot where they tried it with Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker. I mean, Emmanuel quickly. So, I mean, Jalen Brunson is a slight upgrade over that. So now P.J. Tucker for, was on the Miami Heat last year, was an NBA champion with the Bucks two years ago. He signs a three-year, $33.3 million deal with the 76ers. James Harden is taking less money. He just opted out of his deal with the 76ers, so then he can re-sign for like three years maybe like around $35 million a year instead of like the $50 million that he can get. So P.J. Tucker goes to the 76ers. James Harden will re-sign with them as well. John Wall, we haven't talked about John Wall in years, everybody, gets bought out by the Rockets. His contract gets bought out there, and he's signing with the Los Angeles Clippers. So that team is going to have the looks of John Wall, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. It's going to still have Nicholas Batum, I think Reggie Jackson. So hopefully if if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, that team will be back in the playoffs as well. And then I mentioned Anthony Simmons just really exploded onto the league, onto the scene this year with the Portland Trailblazers with Damian Lillard down. He re-signs for four years and a $100 million deal. So those are some of the big-time money deals that have just been thrown around the NBA in the past couple days. And then my final, final thought on this episode I really liked what the Milwaukee Bucks did in free agency this go-around. I mean, they re-signed Bobby Portis to four years, $49 million. Absolute must-have Bobby Portis in Milwaukee. This was their number one concern, making sure Bobby Portis was back. I mean, he is their first guy off the bench, except this year he had to be their spot starter at center with Brooke Lopez injured for a majority of the season. Getting Bobby Portis back was huge. Pat Connaughton, I believe he opted into his deal for cheap so that they could get Bobby Portis on that long-term deal. So Pat Connaughton is back as well. These are their two main bench guys. And then I like what they did as well. They brought back Wesley Matthews and Javon Carter. These guys are good perimeter defensive wings that can hit threes 
as well on occasion. You need those 3 and D guys. And then the Milwaukee Bucks also signed Joe Ingles away from the Utah Jazz to a really nice deal. Like, I believe they're mid-level taxpayer exception. Not going to try and explain all that. But anyways, Joe Ingles, he's coming off of a torn ACL. I, that I believe he suffered back in, like, early December last year. But if he can get healthy for the Bucks, say it comes January or something like that, this is a guy that when he's healthy, he is a 40 to 42% three-point shooter. I believe he's even better. He's like 45% from the corner three-point shooter and reliable three-point shooter, which is what the Bucks need. You know, that's what they need. You need reliable three-point shooters. A lot of people, including the Bucks, I would think, think that if Chris Middleton was healthy in the playoffs this year, the Bucks would have been on their way to a second straight NBA Finals. Quite possibly even a second straight title. We can do the what of the would have, could have, should have, right? But the Milwaukee Bucks were up 3-2 on the Boston Celtics, who went to the finals, and that was without Chris Middleton. Then you saw some of their scoring droughts. That's where Chris Middleton fills in with the 20 points per game. Could have done the woulda, coulda, shoulda, but a lot of people think that if this Bucks team is healthy, they are in the NBA Finals, and then who knows what happens against the Golden State Warriors. They can run it back next year with a lot of the same guys and still be a top three to five title favorites, in my opinion, which I like. I think this team, with Giannis as the best player in the NBA, you have an all-star in Chris Middleton. You have a fringe all-star, but a definite all-NBA defensive player in Drew Holiday. Now you just need to make sure that these guys show up in the playoffs alongside of him. Joe Ingles is one of those guys that will hit threes in big moments. My only nitpick for the Bucks. Would for them to have been just a little bit patient on the market for guys like Wes Matthews, Javon Carter, to see if there was potential upgrades with some of these players, but at the same price. Given what we saw happen to them in the playoffs last season, Wes Matthews was one of those guys that couldn't hit a three when it came to the Boston Celtics. We saw Grayson Allen, after the Chicago Bulls series, could not hit a bucket, couldn't get a bucket even. Javon Carter struggled from three as well, so maybe there could have been a potential upgrade but at the same price that you signed Wesley Matthews and Javon Carter but if the Milwaukee Bucks think that hey all we needed was Chris Middleton to come back if Chris Middleton was healthy we would have won the title if they think that which they should I mean why wouldn't you then I have no reason to doubt them in bringing back a lot of these same players Wes Matthews is great for them on defense Carter is great for them on defense and I think Joe Ingles isn't going to be an underrated signing when he's hitting like two or three threes per game to open up the floor. Giannis is going to be driving down the middle, rocket pass to the corner, Joe Ingles for three, easy money right there. That's that's just a cap, a 12-0 run for the Bucks. That's what I envision for Joe Ingles, and I'm very excited about that signing. But overall, I like what the Bucks have done this off season. There, there's not much to tinker with. You make sure you bring Bobby Portis back, which they did, but now you just make sure that Giannis, Chris, Drew Holiday stay healthy. Brooke Lopez is healthy to start the season as well like what the Milwaukee Bucks did in free agency. They'll be a top three title contender for sure next season. All right, that is all I have for you on this episode, 50th episode woo, of the final, final podcast. Fun stuff. I'm glad we got to talk all NBA on this one. I mean, oh my goodness. I apologize. I went 50 minutes. I didn't even know. I wouldn't have been able to fit anything else in, even if I tried when it comes to the NHL champs and all this college football movement, but that's going on. But we'll get to that early next week for sure. 
We'll get to that kind of stuff. Big 10 expanding. SEC is already expanded. Pac-12, Big 12. Join up, guys. We'll talk about it next week for sure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to tune in next week for all that stuff that we'll be talking about. Stay safe out there, everybody. And as always, you are listening to The Final Final.